Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me, as always, is Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm very excited to be about one week away from my personal and football retreat. Uh, it's personal I, retreat too. Yeah, of course. I got a uh, okay. <laughs> Josh. I live a complex life. <laughs> I got some stuff I got to work out next week. <laughs> like I, <laughs> almost every summer, I have to do this. I'm I I'm a long time in one industry. Kind of stepped away from said industry. Now I'm climbing back into said industry. And I'm, uh, I got a lot to work out and figure out. So it's two days. Half of it is just about my own life and what, what I'm doing with it. And the other half is football related. I've got obviously our, our house league that I'm managing. So I've got to make some big decisions there. And then I'm really going to dive into my own draft strategy and, and rankings and stuff for this year. So it's a two day retreat. I'm very excited. Um, I've sometimes I've done this over the span of a weekend, but I'm doing two days in the middle of the week because that's all I could spare. Okay, so like, is it like day one is personal, day two is football? Is it like an hour by hour, a half a day thing? Like, how, how do you hour split by up hour, time? hour by hour? I cannot, okay. I cannot think about myself for one one day straight. Uh, I would go nuts. Um, I get very okay. angry at myself very fast. So I split it up hour by hour. Like I have, I have sort of a broken down agenda of all the things I want to focus on and accomplish. Um, so for example, I may spend, you know, two hours thinking about quarterbacks and doing rankings and stuff. And then I will force myself to stop and move on to an hour called, what are you doing with your life? You stupid son of a, and then go through that for an hour. I'm just picturing that scene from the Grinch. Where he's going through his schedule and like he's got a section locked <laughs> yeah, off for self-loathing. Exactly, yes, that's exactly what, <laughs> what my retreat will be next week. Uh, except I don't have a dog to talk to. I have a cat who could care less if I lived. So See, that's why you get a dog. <laughs> yeah, a dog, well, a no. dog would want to try to cheer you up, you know. Not my yeah, dog. Well, my dog hates not, you. But. My, your dog despises me and thinks I'm absolute garbage. Like you should take I'm my dog for yourself for your retreat because she'll tell you all about like you don't even need to focus on the self-loathing. Just let her talk to you. Just let <laughs> yeah. her Just give you a piece of her mind. Wouldn't let me pet her. Growled at me, which I've never seen from a dog. Just hates me. Absolutely hates me, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, because... you are. You are one of like like normally it can take her a couple of minutes like to warm up to, to some people like if, especially if she never met them before but without fail she always does except for you you are the she's had she's had plenty of she opportunities to like yeah. me and she doesn't no <laughs> so no she does not um, one last question for your your retreat um, is pondering why Blue of Earth did not call you slotted in there somewhere or. Absolutely not. I have a oh, very healthy approach now to rejection from from the ladies. Uh, you okay. have to to be me, actually. Uh, you have to develop <laughs> a healthier thing, or you'd go nuts. Um, so my actually, I not even remotely on the agenda 
That's that's how healthy it is. It's very the personal stuff for me is very much just about me and career focus. I'm actually quite satisfied with my life. Otherwise, it's really just working out some big career decisions. All right. Very good. Well, I, I look forward to finding out how this goes. Now, if Blue of Earth gives me a call. Okay, that doesn't mean I'm not going to pick up the phone. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll tell you that much. I'm not going. I'm not going to answer you or anyone else in my life who tries to text me during these two days. Like I'm, I'm unavailable. So, okay. so just don't even try. Don't even try to upset me and make me mad. But if Blue of Earth calls, I will pick up. Well, now I just want to text you repeatedly. But no, don't. Uh, is that do this it. week? We will make no next week. Next, okay. like the I, I literally, I don't, I don't care. I'll give the dates. The 28th and 29th of June, right at the end of the month, I am I am unavailable. I'm retreating. All right. You should probably turn your phone off otherwise. Uh, or at least put it on silent. I'm, it'll be on silent. I have to have it on just in case, like I guess if an emergency happens or what have you. But yes, it will be on silent. Um, but I even like if I see your name pop up on the phone, I'm not answering you. I'm not even looking at it because I know it'll just infuriate me. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I look forward to hearing how this goes. Thank you. Uh, should we talk about some football now? <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to dive deeper into my personal trials and tribulations, let's do it. Oh, we don't have enough time for that. Uh, we could have a podcast just about that. We could, yeah. I don't know how successful it would be. Maybe it would be successful. Who knows? Maybe people would relate to you. I don't know. I don't know what my role in all of that would be. Just asking very pointed questions. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what your role would be in that either. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think that's that a one man show. Very, yeah, I could be that going very poorly, very fast. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not exactly comfortable with you speaking in any sort of public way on my behalf or about me in any way. It makes me very uncomfortable. That's fair. Yeah, I don't blame you there. All right, so fantasy football. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is still dealing with a knee injury from 2022. So that kind of puts a damper on his outlook. Hopefully it's not something that drags on throughout uh, the rest of the summer and preseason. And the Patriots failed to lock in Hopkins after what was described as a productive visit. He still hasn't signed anywhere as of us recording, right? Nope. Not as of today. I know he's had tons of visits, but I didn't believe he had signed anywhere. So that's interesting. Okay, so the Patriots are are did not lock him in. Now, are they out on him, or is it more he's he's now just considering his options? Do we know Do we know his status at all? The last that I had read, the impression I got was a deal could still happen with the Patriots. It just nothing was fo- nothing was locked into during his okay. visit. And so, our recent yeah, luck on this podcast, by the time this episode comes out, it will have happened. Because the last couple of weeks, like we talk about Dalvin Cook, and the day our episode airs, Dalvin Cook gets released. <laughs> like it's happened two or three times where we've previewed something happening. So for all we know, Hopkins is going to sign by the time this episode airs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's very possible. And the Patriots are considered the betting favorites for mm. him. Uh, um, that All that means, though, is that people... It's where the money is coming in and not coming in. So it's interesting. If they're the betting favorites, is that fandom and and like the wish being the father of the thought, as they say? Or is that 
reality. Like, would would he want to go there? Because well, I know we, we had talked about the Titans being one place he visited. Um, he obviously wants to go somewhere where he can be be the the guy, which he would be in the Patriots. But I is he a gel with Bill Belichick? Like, is that? Oh yeah, actually, him and him and Belichick both like have gone on the record talking about how much they respect the other. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that is actually a big plus there is that they both are very favorable about each other. Um, and I, I think the betting lines are coming out of Vegas. Yeah, they're coming out of Vegas. So they're usually pretty accurate. A lot of time they have like some behind the scenes or like they have the most up to date knowledge. So they are uh, healthily ahead of the next closest, which I think is the looks like the Bills. I, I don't see it happening in the Bills. I mean, that would be great. I, ju- I just personally don't see that happening. That's just no, my gut me feeling. Either. Yeah, I don't see that happening either. I think I the Patriots the, are the Patriots more Patriots or the Titans. Bills. Yeah, or the Titans. Yeah. Again, I, I would I would imagine like he will turn those teams into from bubble teams to closer to playoff teams in my mind if he's there. But I think that I think that the Bills I just don't think they can make the finances work to give him what he wants. No. No, I don't I don't think so either. Yeah, and not unless they did something to really rearrange their roster and their salary cap position. I, I don't think the bills would work out. They've shown an unwillingness to do that. Yeah. Like they just they just haven't made those changes. Like they seem very they seem very happy to stick with growing the core that they have. Um but again, I guess anything could happen. But yeah, it seems to me, from what you're saying, Patriots and still the Titans, because I had heard a lot of buzz around them, probably more likely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I closed the, the article there, but it looked like the Patriots were triple the the Titans or quadruple their the odds. So four to one odds, the Patriots over the Titans. So that seems to be where everyone expects them to go, but Hey, we'll see. Um, in regards to the bills, so apparently the Stefan Diggs situation was resolved, according to Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. Uh, resolved the next day, magically. Um, of course. There were a lot of rumors floating around over the past week that it had to do with, like, Diggs getting his contract restructured so that the bills could sign Hopkins, and then there was a lot of stuff saying that's false, uh, saying it comes back to him being frustrated over the past few months with how things have been like, I guess his role with the team and their inability to succeed. And then I think Josh Allen said it was just a case of miscommunication. So I don't know. It's weird that you go from the head coach saying on the record that he's very concerned to he's back (laughs) at practice the next day. Well, (laughs) who knows what's going on in (laughs) Buffalo. If you're Josh Allen, what are you supposed to say? Like, of course he's going to come out and be like, everything's good because what are you going to do? Like, you don't, you really don't want to get involved in a negative way there. It is, that's too fast. Like, obviously they're just trying to cover their butts here. Um, But yeah, I mean, most of his, his concerns are understandable. Like if you're a Bills fan, you're optimistic, but you're also frustrated because it has been the same results for a couple of years. Like, I don't think it's, 
It's not Toronto Maple Leaf level concern yet, but you're getting there where they've had the same issues in the playoffs time and time again. And Diggs, you know, I think he's he's without a doubt their offensive weapon and they have not done a good job of surrounding him with other talent. I mean, I know he wants to be that guy there, but, you know, they don't do a good job of balancing it out to give your other defenses something to think about. They know where the ball's going, so they can cover him. They makes it, you know, makes him less effective. So I can understand his concerns. Hopefully, they, you know, they do resolve it because they need him. They he can't he can't be um, he, he can't be upset like he was in, in Minnesota. You're going to lose him. So they need him. They built their team around Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. So they they need they need him to be ready to go in 100. percent yeah, I guess we'll have to just kind of see how the rest of training camp goes and if there's anything more to it or if this is just a weird hiccup and everything's back to normal and they're going to go for it again. I, I don't know. But he's back at practice, and that's the main thing because uh, there's quite a few other people who aren't showing up to mandatory minicamp. <laughs> yes. Uh, J.K. Dobbins joined that list this week, uh, skipping mandatory minicamp over contract negotiations. He's currently in the final year of his rookie deal and is looking to get uh, get paid before he shows up to minicamp. So along the same lines as Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley, uh, who is still holding out a minicamp but has resumed contract talks with the New York Giants. So mm. maybe progress there. I don't know. I mean, they gave Daniel Jones all the money, so I'd, I'd, I'm not overly familiar with how much room they have, so I don't know if a contract is even really possible for Saquon Barkley or not, but he's he's made it clear he's willing to, to hold out. So, Well, and if he's willing to uh, hold out, then they've got to take that seriously. Right? Having, having your, you know, star players, big players, big-name players, miss time hurts, hurts the team and the player. So hopefully they, they do this. But we see holdouts happen in, in football more than really any sport. So you gotta, it's not a bluff. you got to take them seriously when they say this. Yeah. I, it seems to be in the last few years it's become more and more of a popular tool, I guess, to use. Especially well, one player backs. does it. One player does it, gets away with it. And then other players say, hey, I can do that. I can get paid. I can get the money I feel I'm earned, especially running backs who their career length is getting shortened and shortened. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I think that's part of the problem is teams aren't willing to give running backs that big second contract anymore because they yeah. know odds are they're probably not going to finish that contract. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, <laughs> or if they finish it, they're not going to be worth what they were at the start of it. Uh, yeah. Like th- their, their bodies just can't handle it, but no, no, not I'm not getting... to the level that they need them to to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I I'm just having flashbacks to the Le'Veon Bell holdout season. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. hopefully that doesn't come to pass because Le'Veon Bell wasn't really the same after that. Never came back the same. No, no. So hopefully that's not what's happening or what's going to happen with Bar- Barkley. Uh but. Remains to be seen. He's got company this year. Le'Veon Bell didn't, so we'll see. Um, Do you according think it to, hurts? oh, sorry, I no, just had a ahead. thought. 
in terms yeah. of the company and the other, the, like, do you think it hurts any of their causes at all as running backs to have a couple big name running backs who currently don't have contracts? Like, would a team be like, okay, Saquon, you go sit out, we'll sign Dalvin Cook, or we'll sign Ezekiel Elliott, or we'll go though that route, or even just as a negotiating standpoint, do you think that hurts them at all? I think it takes away some of their leverage, absolutely, because yeah. you're right. Barkley and Dalvin Cook, like, you would be fine with either of those options, right? Sure, yeah. Um, but I think it all comes down to the money because that's where the other player, the free agent players come in to it, right? Because if Barkley wants $10 million and Dalvin Cook wants $10 million, well, why wouldn't you just sign Barkley then, right? No, it's um, true, yeah. So, so it all comes down to, I guess, who's willing to take the bigger pay cut in that regard. If, if they can't make it work with Barkley or Dobbins or Jacobs, but then uh, Fournette or Elliot or Cook are willing to get paid a little less than what uh, the other three are wanting, or maybe a lot less, I don't, I don't really know, um, then, yeah, they can basically turn around and say, okay, hold out we've got your replacement right here like yeah and then then what are you gonna do like sit out take the year off football that's we've seen multiple times now and and we're gonna get another chance to see how it turns out with kelvin ridley this season uh but we've seen multiple times it does not pan out well your body doesn't do well going from zero football back into football after a year off so it really doesn't then they're hurting themselves in the long run because they have to go and try to prove that they deserve a contract that's worth any amount of significant money rather than just a one-year deal right um because then teams are gonna be concerned you know what what version of you are we getting are we getting the guy who we saw the last time he was on the football field or are we getting a guy who just spent the year doing just workouts on his own and not practicing with a team and now yeah. you've got to learn our whole new system because odds are you're going to be with a new team because I'm sure some bridges probably got burnt in all that transaction. So you've got to try to pick up a new team. They have to be able to, they have to want to use you the way that you want to be used in an offense, which might not always happen because different offenses use different offensive schemes. It, 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 the ball, the snowball gets a lot bigger really quickly there. You know what I mean? Like it, uh, it piles on and then nobody's happy really. Yeah. Except, no, except for maybe the original team. Like if, if they bring yeah. <laughs> in Delvin Cook for cheap and he pans out and then they're happy They'd be to happy sign with him. That. Then, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They would be. But it's it's tough on the players and, and I know like they don't have a lot of like bargaining power, I guess, when it comes to these contracts and stuff, especially at running back, because they are so replaceable. Uh, at the end of the day these guys are running a business and I don't think they really always see them as humans, right? Like they're just, you're a player. You can be replaced. Yeah. So that takes away a lot of their leverage, unfortunately, because as good as you are, you're only going to be good for so long. And there's always going to be someone else coming up behind who's going to be as good as you. So it, it makes it hard and, and it sucks because these guys do deserve to be paid. Like they put their bodies through so much. And a lot of the time they have just terrible rests of their lives because of all the injuries and medical and physical problems that they have to deal with. Um, but so obviously I, I think they do deserve to get paid, but at the end of the day, there's that balancing act between 
managing a, a roster full of all these other guys and trying to pay these star players what they want to get paid. It's it's a very difficult line to walk. Very fair. Uh, according to Sean McVay, Cam Akers is going to be a central figure to the offense and is primed to have a great year. So I read that earlier in the week, and I think it was the next day I read that the Rams signed running back Sony Michelle to a one-year contract. Yep. So <laughs> kind of complicates things. I, I mean, I fully expect Cam Akers to be well above, um, well above Sony Michelle, but... I think that puts a bit of a damper on Cam Akers because beforehand there was absolutely no one, whereas at least Sonny Michelle, he's been around the block a few times and kind of a veteran, you know, like he'll, he'll know, he knows what he's doing. Um, but as of right now, he's still listed as number three on the depth chart. We'll, we'll talk about the Rams on today's episode anyways. So it might not impact Cam Akers too much, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Sonny Michelle as the, third down back potentially for this offense brought in for specific situations they know him they trust him he's a veteran in those situations yeah again it might not it might not be a big impact but it's something that is at least different like to watch um depth at that position too it could just be like you need to have some depth there just in case um with injuries and everything so yeah, it's something yeah. to keep an eye on for sure. I, I think that was part of why they brought him in is because they they don't really have anyone. Same thing at wide receiver outside of Cooper Cup. They don't really have any depth. So yeah. just try to fill it with whatever piece, serviceable pieces that you can get, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's uh, dive into our NFC West teams. And we'll start off right. with the Arizona Cardinals. So the starting quarterback right now for the Cardinals is still listed as Kyler Murray, uh, but we don't know if he's going to be playing come week one or not due to his injury uh, timeline. He could be back for week one. He could be. He could miss multiple weeks. It's kind of still up in the air. We're probably not going to know until closer to the preseason what exactly his timetable for return is. Uh, Colt McCoy is listed as number two right now, so in the event Murray would miss time, it would be McCoy who filled in for McCoy last season. Yeah, uh, this is, I I really don't know what to think of this Cardinal situation, especially at quarterback, because like Kyler Murray has shown flashes of brilliance and then flashes of absolutely nothing. Um, and this franchise seems to be on a downward spiral right now. So I really, I really don't know one, how, how that injury will impact Kyler Murray. And two, even when he's back, what that's really going to mean. So like, I just, the, the offense, it runs through your quarterback, regardless, regardless of the team. I know you've got teams like that, that where it's not true, where you have that crazy great running back, but for Arizona, what Kyler Murray can do with his legs and arms are going to dictate this offense. And if he's injured, if he's not at 100%, if he's disinterested in playing for the franchise, it could spell like Russell Wilson levels of trouble. So I don't know. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to see if he runs a lot less coming off of an ACL tear. 
Um, like we talked about multiple times with running backs returning from an ACL tear, they're not the best when they return that first season. It takes them that year to get back. I don't have any information on what it's like for quarterbacks, um, mm. particularly more mobile quarterbacks. I mean, the I guess the best reference that I would, or I guess the best comparison that I would make would be Joe Burrow's injury in his rookie season. And then when he came back, he he doesn't run that much anymore. He's no. not much of a, a mobile quarterback anymore. He's still a great, uh, still a great quarterback, but he lost that rushing. Like he's rushing at what, like maybe half of what he did before, or a third, and he tore an ACL as well. So if that's what we see with Murray, then that's going to be a huge damper on his. Um, on his fantasy value because that's where he made the most of his fantasy production. Like he was not really an elite passer. It was more of a, he could scramble and run and he was shifty. So the history is not there. Now I don't have like a wealth of data on that. It's really just Joe Burrow that I'm making a comparison to. And Joe Burrow is still an elite quarterback, He's still a top five fantasy quarterback. Um, It's yeah, it's just, it's hard to go and run that much after you tore your ACL, you know, especially yeah, how... if, Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, like, especially if it's just, if it's up for debate on when you're going to return, like if it was an easy, you know, no, he's a hundred percent. He's going to be ready by preseason. He'll be good to go week one. Then maybe I'd feel a bit better, but then you get into that situation where maybe he tries to force it a little early. He's not a hundred percent or, he wants to make sure he's 100%, so he sits out maybe longer than he needs to just to be extra safe. And then every week that he misses, that's taking off his fantasy value too, right? So There's too many intangibles at play, and that always is difficult. Because when yeah. you look at the stats, when you want to evaluate a player, it's you don't always see intangibles measured. And the injury, the time coming back, the state of the team, which cannot be forgotten like this is even at 100 percent, this is a bad team he's playing on yeah. a bad team yeah and if he's not an elite passer through the air and he can't really utilize his legs in the same way he's not going to be very effective um so i think at the end of the day the the value here for kyler murray to me is very very low and a lot of that is based on I just don't like the direction this team is going. And in the past, an intangible thing that we've seen happen is quarterbacks or top players on bad teams might generate some fantasy value, but their playing ability throughout the year slowly dissipates. He might have a four or five game stretch at the beginning of the year that's excellent, but as the season warns on and you're on a bad team, you start to become disinterested. And we've, you know, we've seen those problems with Kyler Murray before. So what what's going to happen here? We don't know. We'll have to wait and see on the injury, but I would be very cautious about about ever drafting him at this point until you get some clarity on the injury and until you see if there's a direction here where they think they're going to move on from him and move him to a better situation or they're going to finally start surrounding him with a better, you know, better core group to kind of build around him. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And on his 
medical status unfortunately ties into a lot of the rest of the players that we're going to talk about on this team in terms of fantasy value. Um, because for so, for example, running backs James Connor and Corey Clement. James Connor has been great for fantasy football for the past two years. He's been a great value pick. Get him in those middle rounds. Get him kind of later, and he's done very well. Uh, but you can see a clear difference between with Kyler Murray and without Kyler Murray, uh, because James Connor is very touchdown dependent. Like in 2021, he had 15 rushing touchdowns and three passing or three receiving touchdowns. Sorry. Uh, you bring that back into 2022. So last season he had seven rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. Hmm. He, his, his yardage wasn't really much different either. Like, pretty on par so where he's making the fantasy value is the touchdowns and if you're not going to have Kyler Murray for a chunk of the season that's going to really bring down his fantasy value too uh, because the offense just isn't as powerful yeah and the thing the thing that I would keep in mind for everyone is when you have a bad team chances of you being shut out every game are pretty low so someone's going to score at some point in time and someone's going to get yards at some point in time. And the only area I think it could come from if Murray is out is is the running backs. Like that to me is their value. I still think James Conner could be a good late pick, like a good value pick later. I agree with everything you just said. Like his, I don't think his value is going to be where it, it could be. But I think on a bad team with an uncertain quarterback situation, you're probably going to see these running backs utilized at least at the beginning of the year um so you might still see some value out of them um the points and yards have to come from somewhere um and it's probably going to be the running game unless kyler murray magically has a has a really you know good recovery from his injury and suddenly you know he can he can start moving the ball in different ways normally i would agree with you but in this case where their defense is so bad they're going to be playing from behind all the time. And that that by default eliminates the running game almost always. So because they have to pass because they need to get try to get down the field as fast as they can. So unless they get into the red zone and don't score like like they get in towards the goal line, then James Conner could punch it in. And 100 percent, that is what he is great at doing. But they have to get there. Uh, so I think Which unfortunately, will be tough. it'll be tough with Colt McCoy. At, yeah, exactly. The, the oh, this exactly. is a team. This is my this is my pick for a team that will go zero and seventeen. That's fair. I think fair. I think because I I don't think Kyler Murray. This is just a. I just don't think he's going to play for them this year. I think he'll be injured at the beginning, and maybe they might try to bring him back. But I think by the time he gets a hundred percent, by the time he feels good, I think they're going to either try to move him or you're going to get into a situation where it's like, well. I don't want to risk my body and health for this piece of garbage. So I don't think he's going to play much this year. And that's, that's why I think, I think this team could go in 17. I, I really do. So, you know, take, take that what, what you will for the rest of these offensive players. But if it like, again, if I had to, if I had to pick a Cardinal, I would be picking James Connor just because he's the one that at least with some health behind him, he's the most likely to do some damage because I'm just so uncertain as to what's going on with Kyler Murray. See, if I had to pick one Cardinal, it would be the wide receiver, uh, Marquise Brown. 
Uh, so the Cardinals wide receivers, Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, and Greg Dortch as the slot receiver because of how bad the defense is and that they're always going to be playing from behind. So they're going to have to air the ball out. And Marquise Brown is far and away their number one receiver now, especially with Hopkins gone. Uh, I, I think he's going to be the one who they lean on rather than James Conner because they're not going to be able to afford to lose that much time on the clock. So that's where I would lean. If I was going to take one Cardinal, it would be Marquise Brown. It won't It won't be a terrible pick because he won't be a Cardinal for the whole season. Um, so I think, Marquise I think Brown? He'll get, yeah, I think he'll get dealt. Yeah? I think oh, he'll maybe. get dealt this year. I think he'll be, I think what you said is exactly what's going to happen at the beginning of the year. Through the first four weeks, he's going to be playing very well. And it's going to be one of those... Christian McCaffrey like situations where another team will be like, I'll trade you for that. Like I'll give you draft picks and I'll give you something because we, you know, the team thinks they're good, but they need a, a wide receiver or an injury happens and they'll, they'll go for him. I, I honestly can see that happen with, with um, this player more so than any of the others, just because Marquise Brown has a history with other teams. He's, you know, he's been around for a while. He's going to have a good start to the season. Um, I think that uh, he's going to be a big trade target. You've got to trade, like at some point in time, you can't just release players. You have to trade players for assets at some point in time. And I just would have thought teams would have saw what happened between San Francisco and Carolina and been like, well, we can get value for a good player. So if Marquise Brown has a good start to the season, I think they'll they'll look to trade him if they're smart. For all I know, they're dumb. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll see. <laughs> Um, rounding out the Cardinals we, at tight end, we've got Zach Ertz and Trey McBride. Um, I know Zach Ertz was a pretty big deal for fantasy. I think it was two seasons ago, but last year he kind of crashed back down to earth. Yeah. I I wouldn't be looking towards Zach Ertz, especially without Kyler Murray there. Um, and then Trey McBride, same same thing. I think that's fair. Um... Zach Ertz will probably get released because no one trades anyone anymore. Yeah. I hate I hate releasing play. I think that's the dumbest thing. Like I I think that's to me that's a fireable offense. Um, but again, that's someone who likes to maximize assets. Like that's it's absolutely ridiculous. But anyway. Alrighty. I digress. <laughs> um moving on to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so this is actually a team that's Pretty powerful in terms of fantasy assets. So, a quarterback right now, they have Brock Purdy listed as their starter, assuming that he is healthy in time for the start of the season. Uh, Trey Lance is listed as number two, so who, and that's who I fully expect them to start with should Brock Purdy not be ready to roll by week one. Right. Uh, and then things will get complicated, because if Lance can hit the ground running and do things the team then it's going to become one of those weird situations where it's like they're going to be fighting in practice for who's going to be the starter and one week it might be one guy one week it might be the other they might just say okay nope lance you've earned it until you don't they might give it right back to brock purdy i i've got no idea what's going to happen if brock purdy isn't good to go week one so that's something that i'm looking at pretty closely because that changes like i I'm probably not going to draft Brock Purdy. Like maybe as a backup quarterback, he would be where I would aim because he's not a mobile rush, uh, mobile quarterback. He is a 
pocket passer who's on a good offense, so he will get you points, but he's probably not going to light up the stat sheets every week. Whereas Trey Lance, where with his ability to run and he's fighting to keep the starting job, I think he could have those boom weeks that can really win you weeks. So if Trey Lance starts in week one, then I or is projected to be the starter for week one because Brock Purdy's not going to be healthy, then I would definitely be looking his way. Uh, but you do have to keep in mind that there's a very good chance he's not the starter come the end of the season, either due to injury or Brock Purdy taking the job back. Yeah, I mean, I maybe I'm naive, but like the way Brock Purdy played at the end of last season, I would give him the benefit of the doubt in, in terms of that. Like, I know there's a health issue, so obviously that's number one. But, you know, if, if he's healthy, they're going to start him. But even like in terms of fantasy, like, yeah, maybe, maybe exactly what you said is is the right spot for, for Brock Purdy. If you can draft him as your second quarterback, fine. Like that's if it, like, cause I, I would draft Brock Purdy, but you're right. I think I would do that as long as I had someone else in mind who I liked, who I wanted as my, my number one quarterback and Brock Purdy's my backup. Um, it's just, yeah, it could get messy there. It could get messy fast. If Trey Lance gets thrown into the scenario and you have a back and forth, um, which is obviously not great for fantasy because you definitely don't want to get into a situation where you have Brock Purdy and Trey Lance on your fantasy team. That's giving up too many spots for quarterbacks. Um, I unfortunately had to have three quarterbacks on my roster to start last season. It was tough. It eats up too many spots. I would never do that again. So I don't recommend it. Um, but yeah, yeah if, he's, if he's healthy, I think Brock Purdy works for what this offense is. I don't think they need a more mobile quarterback with how good these running backs and wide receivers are and tight ends. Like down the line, this is a great offense. So if Brock Purdy works within it, great. But I I could see Trey Lance having a great start to the season, Brock Purdy coming back, and now it being a question mark, which is always rough for uh, for fantasy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, at running back, they've got Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, so nothing much to say there. Uh, Christian nope. McCaffrey, probably going to be pick. one of the top. Top pick, absolutely. Top- top pick if not like depending on the league i i have seen him go as the second or third overall depending because mm-hmm. um, like sometimes justin jefferson goes as the number one overall jonathan taylor in some leagues still has a, a spot up there austin eckler yeah uh but he's in the top three picks without fail so yes yes that i agree like i think i think you'll see him any any will be um any yeah and, and of... he fully deserves to be he's yeah absolutely great yeah, I, and I think you'll you'll see him near the top of our lists when we do um, when we do our lists as well. And he's oh, yeah. fully deserving. And if he's there, and if you have a top pick, picking Christian McCaffrey is a great choice. Exactly. Now that being said, if you can get Elijah Mitchell in a late round, you should absolutely go ahead because we know what Christian McCaffrey's uh, injury history is like. And I don't know what is going on in San Francisco, but they cannot keep anyone healthy, healthy to save their lives. <laughs> so, yeah, as unfortunate as it is, you want that, especially if you if you draft Christian McCaffrey, you better be drafting Elijah Mitchell as a later round pick because you're probably going to need him at some point yeah. in the season. If you can get him late, it's it's a good idea, and that that's one of the scenarios where I'm okay giving up a bench spot to someone's backup because of exactly what you just said, like. 
the the one the history of injuries with running backs is getting pretty big. Like you you get one or two major running back names hurt every single year. And you for honestly, just San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, we're just San Francisco before, before you even move on to anyone else. Yeah, but I yeah. think I think that like this is the this is a, a really good strategy. If you have Christian McCaffrey, you pick him in the first round. If you can get Mitchell and eye him for a, a later round pick, I think it's a smart move. And listen, even if M- Christian McCaffrey is healthy, I don't think Elijah Mitchell is completely out of the offense. I think you're gonna see him in select situations. You've seen that out of San Francisco. They do spread their offense around a bit. You'll see him in select situations. You'll probably still keep him on the bench. But there might be a couple matchups this year where San Francisco completely rolls over teams. And if it's point night, you know Christian McCaffrey's coming out of the lineup in the third quarter. So you might throw throw Mitchell in as a flex here and there, and you might be able to get your 15 points out of him. Like, it's not impossible. He gets a touchdown in the fourth quarter, gets, gets your 50, 60 yards, gets a couple catches, I, I do I can see a scenario on certain matchups where you have Mitchell in as a flex maybe two or three times in the year. Isn't gonna win you your league, but he might win you a game. Yep. Yep, that's fair. So now we come into the wide receiver room where things get a little bit more complicated. We've got Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Juwan Jennings in the slot. Um I don't think anybody's really clamoring for Juwan Jennings, so I'm not really gonna focus on him no i think but, it's the other two yeah it comes down to debo samuel and brandon Ayuk. and now the issue with debo and i am a huge debo samuel fan is they have christian mccaffrey so yes. debo is not running the ball anymore no um and they don't or they he have, will in very select very few yeah instances yeah but you're not getting the huge no. runs that that you got uh two seasons ago from debo no. um and now they've got a new quarterback, well, new-ish, because they like Brock Purdy, Trey Lance. Neither of them really seem to hyper-target Debo the way that Jimmy Garoppolo had. So that kind of brings it down. And then Brandon Ayuk is a very good football player. So mm-hmm. there's no reason why Brock Purdy would target Samuel over Ayuk. And at the end of the day, they're both fighting for targets with Kittle and McCaffrey as well. So... It's a bit of a sketchy situation in terms of, I guess, the target share that either of them is going to develop. And the reason that I personally am preferring Ayuk over Samuel this season is just because of their average draft cost. Here we go. Debo Debo Samuel is going as the 16th wide receiver overall. Brandon Ayuk is going at number 32. I think there's a very good chance they could finish on par with each other. So why would I pay the higher price is basically the way that I'm looking at it. If, if they're, I, I project that they're going to have roughly the same kind of fantasy finishes, assuming they will stay healthy. Uh, both going to be involved. Neither of them are going to be superstars by any means, but they're both going to be productive. Probably wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. So why would I pay for the number 60 and wide receiver if I could pay for the number 32? You know what I mean? I suppose. Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm 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 more down the middle on both these guys. Like I wouldn't mind having either on my team, but I'm honestly not running out the door to draft either of them. If by the time I'm looking for a wide receiver, one of them is there, then I'm then I'm drafting them. But I'm not drafting them in the first round. 
And I'm probably not drafting them in the second round. And I'm probably like already have picked a running back and a wide receiver and a quarterback. And now I'm going through my rotation again. And if one of them is there, I might pick them. I agree. I think they're going to finish similarly. I think one being targeted over the other, there's no evidence to, to suggest one will be targeted more so than the other. Either one is fine to be on a team, but I'm not building my team around either of these guys. So they're just more middle, like Christian McCaffrey, top pick for me, absolutely. But Ayuk and Samuel, hey, if they're there, I'm going to take them because it's a great offense and they're going to get touches. They're going to get touchdowns. They're going to perform. But I just, I'm I'm waiting a little bit. They're, they're not the ones that I'm, there are certain players that I'm putting my little, I draw a little image, Josh. This is part of my insider draft. A little image that I draw on my paper besides certain players that I'm really targeting going after. And if I get a handful of the ones that I drew this little image next to, I, I, you know, gravitate toward, I'm happy. Oh, great. I got, you know, 50 or 60% of what I wanted. These two wouldn't be on that list. They're pickups if they're there. Oh, great. Cool. Pleasant surprise. I can pick one of these guys, but I'm not, I'm not going after either of them. Is the image a smiley face? (laughs) No, it's not a smiley face. Okay. Um, and uh, tight end it's for the 49ers. A, it's an image of your face. That is very detailed. That is very sad. Yes, detailed okay. image of your face, sad and crying um, because you've lost. Because that uh, makes you happy. Yeah, and then, yeah, because I've, I've beaten you in yeah. our Super Bowl. And I in the image, I'm collecting the tears in your <laughs> jars. <laughs> Seems like a very detailed image for like a little. What, what do you think like I do like a in magnifying my retreat? Glass? What do you think I do in my retreat? I make these little pre-images, cards, things, and I place them on the players, right? Like I'm, well, I'm. Doing you know, all if this you spent a little more time doing like research, maybe you would win the fantasy super. Bowl. I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not even going to engage with you. I'm not even going to. Smart engage choice. With you. Uh, tight ends for the 49ers. We have George Kittle and Charlie Warner. So. Kittle is someone you should target. Warner is yep. someone you shouldn't. Don't even know who that is? Go for George Kittle. <laughs> Absolutely. Charlie Warner isn't getting a little picture of Josh's face crying into a vial of tears. No. No, he's not. He might get a question mark because you don't no, know he's who getting he nothing. is. Okay. Yeah, I do cross him out. When I don't know a player, <laughs> cross him out immediately. Never heard of you. <laughs> don't even care. All right. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith. He is interesting to me. I yeah, I don't really know where I I sit with him. Like I don't know if I would be comfortable having him as my quarterback or not. You know, I'm worried that he he peaked last year and had a great year, and, and it's never going to be that again. Would be my yeah. Fear. I don't know if this is the start of something or if that was just a fluke. Like I don't, I actually don't know, which is why I'm hesitant. On Geno Smith, even though he had a fantastic year last year, I'm I'm hesitant on him. Yeah, I think I would only be comfortable with him as my QB one if I had some elite players everywhere else. Then I could afford to take the risk at quarterback, and because I think at the end of the day he will be like he'll do fine. Yeah, but I don't I don't know. I'm not confident that he's going to do as well as he did last season. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a bit of a drop a off there. It's yeah. funny. It's funny because this is a division where I feel very similar about all the quarterbacks, actually, for yeah, different reasons. <laughs> but I have concerns about all of them where I'm like, well, maybe, like maybe. 
and mo- for the other ones, a lot of it's injury related, but this this is related to just I just don't know what Geno Smith's going to do. Um, but I I think I feel the same way you do. If I was looking around and I had other I had I did great on my running backs and wide receivers, and I'm in like round five, and in our league, all the quarterbacks are gone, and Geno Smith's sitting there. I feel a lot more comfortable picking them, knowing that I've got running backs and wide receivers that I really like and that I have to pick a quarterback and I don't know what else to do. And he's there. I would be pleasantly surprised. And I'd be like, okay, great. I'm going to pick Geno Smith and now I'm comfortable. But picking him any earlier and going with him as QB1 would be very stressful, I think. Uh, As stressful as I was last year when I picked Trevor Lawrence as QB, uh, basically was going to be my QB1. I got to it later, but what basically as I was drafting in one of the most stressful drafts I've ever had, I was very concerned. And it was the similar feeling of like, I don't know what Lawrence is going to do this year. I don't know where this is going to go with Geno Smith. I'm, I'm just so torn as to what, what he's going to actually be able to accomplish. Yep. That's absolutely fair. Uh, running back Kenneth Walker, the third and Zach Charbonnet. I was a lot higher on Kenneth Walker before the draft. But now that they went and drafted Zach Charbonnet as high as they did, I have a lot more concern for Kenneth Walker and what his involvement is going to be. So he's someone I'm not really looking to to target, at least at what his cost is right now in most drafts. Um, obviously, if a player falls enough, the value will be there. But right now, I'm not liking. I, I don't like what I'm seeing there. Just me personally. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I still think Kenneth Walker the third is is worth it. Again, this is where we'll differ a little bit because it comes down to our draft strategies. Um, again, is, is he is am I looking at him being like running back number one? There you go. I got a Kenneth Walker. No, but as one of my running backs in a pool of running backs that I have, I wouldn't be too disappointed. And again, your offense is going to run through something. This has the potential of being another really good. Year. If everyone has a good year, especially in that receiving core and Geno Smith, then I think Kenneth Walker III gets a lot of action. Um, th- their draft choice was a, a, a surprise to me. So I, I don't know where they're going with that. I don't know what exactly they, their plans are um, in, in the running back scenario. But I, I, I think I'm still okay on Kenneth Walker III. My, my mind may change as we get closer, but I, I still think there's some value there. After your summit, you mean? Yeah, we'll, we'll see how I feel after next week. That's the whole point. Yeah. I'm gonna come. I'm like I'm gonna emerge next week with my rankings, um, and then eventually we'll reveal them on the show. But we'll see where how I feel about him after next week. I've got to get all the I got to get all the running backs down um, on uh, on paper to me to me to look at. I have a very clear image in my head about how I feel about wide receivers and quarterbacks, and it's running backs. I think I'm gonna spend most of the time on. All right. Uh, the wide receivers for the Seahawks, we got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, DK Metcalf for me is a yes. Tyler Lockett is a yes later in the draft. And I'm not really looking at Smith and Jigba just because of those other two names when where he's a rookie. Uh, I just I don't think he's set up for success right off the bat while the other two guys are still there. Yeah, I think they're good receiver choices. Um, Not dissimilar to how I feel about the San Francisco ones. I think this offense will be good. They'll be effective. Um, A lot of it will run through these two guys. Um, I think that I'm not running out the door to grab them, but I'm definitely putting them on 
potential draft list. Not quite the Josh image beside them, but DK Metcalf comes the closest. All right. Uh, at tight end, we've got Noah Fant and Will Disley, two players I have no interest in drafting. Agreed. Moving on to the Los Angeles Rams, at quarterback, we've got Matthew Stafford. He, like all the rest of the quarterbacks in this area, is a risk. What version of him are we getting back? The one that went to the Super Bowl or the one that we saw last year before his injury? I think he's probably worth the risk just because of his connection with Cooper Cup. But you want to have a solid foundation outside of him. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not high on him. Uh, only because I'm. I would be concerned that what we saw last year is closer to who he'll be. Um, but again, very similar to the Geno Smith situation. If he's there and you've got a solid base around you, you can pick him with some level of confidence that he'll hopefully he'll have a bounce back year um, and stay healthy. Because if he does, then then you know you're in good shape. If he can move up from what he was doing before he was hurt last year, um, but I am worried he's on the downward spiral here um not everyone's tom brady not everyone's gonna look good late in their career and matthew stafford i i just i'm concerned about the age factor and coming off a big injury yep absolutely at running back we got cam Akers and kyron williams but like we said earlier sony michelle was was picked up and will likely end up taking over that second spot yeah I'm pretty interested in drafting Cam Akers just because I do think he will be heavily involved in this offense because there's so little else outside of Cooper Cup. Right. Um, you can see Oh, well, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wide receiver room, we've got Ben Skoranek, Van Jefferson, and Cooper Cup. So do yourself a favor and draft Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, yeah. Maybe Van Jefferson as like a late round pick. You'd need another receiver yeah. just to fill out your bench. Maybe. Uh, and then at tight end, we've got Tyler Higby and Hunter Long. And I'm not really interested in either of those tight ends either because we no. haven't seen Higby have much success. No. And like, as you said, offense is going to run a lot through Cam Akers, Cooper Cup, maybe Van Jefferson. Like to me, Van Jefferson might be more of a like, Maybe he makes it through the draft and no one's picked him and he's a waiver wire pickup once you see how Matthew Stafford performs. But again, you might know in preseason in August how things are going there, but definitely the tight ends stay away from there. I think I think the offense is running through other pieces here. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. All right, Mike, rank the NFC West. This one was a lot easier for me. San Francisco 49ers, number one. Seattle Seahawks, number two. Los Angeles Rams, number three, and the Arizona Cardinals, number four. I am right there with you. I've got the same rankings. Yeah, like I think I think San Francisco is going to win the division. Yeah, and then Seattle might make the playoffs. Like they're going to be there. And I think, again, if Stafford has a bounce back year, the Rams could be right there. And then the Cardinals are going to be last. (laughs) Right? Like I think that's very, I think this was the easiest of the divisions to, to do in that sense. Absolutely. All right. Players to target. So my number one is actually Kyler Murray Ugh. at at his current draft average draft position, which is the middle of the 13th round if you're in a 10-team league. Because at that point, he's going to be your backup quarterback. And I think that has a chance to have a huge upside. And then in the event that you your main quarterback goes down and need to, to bail out, then it is what it is. Okay, but, fine. Uh, if you draft 12 other players, then Kyler Murray, okay. Yeah, that, that I would be <laughs> aiming to pick him up 
at his average draft position. I would not be going any earlier. Uh, Geno Smith, I think that the chance is there for him to have that to continue on last season. And you can get him for... he He's basically, if, if you miss out on all the elite options and a few, he's probably going to be your best option. And compared to some of the other names that are going around him, I think he has the chance to do a lot better than those other people. Uh, like, like he's going around the same spot that Russell Wilson is going. And I would much rather have Geno Wilson or Geno Smith than Russell Wilson or Derek Carr. Yeah. Uh, and then Cam Akers, because like we have already talked about, he's expected to be a focal point this year. Uh, my three to target. Um, I'm starting with kind of, kind of the obvious. Uh, I think Cooper cup uh, with the, with the Rams offense, even if Matthew Stafford, doesn't 100% bounce back. Cooper Cup's proven he can be used in a bunch of different ways. He's number one for me. Number two, I had similar to Eugenio Smith. I do still think he's worth targeting, but just not as that that you know early round quarterback. I think you're going to get him a lot later in the draft. And if you have a strong foundation, it's going to be good. Um, and then number three, I put in James Conner for the reasons I brought up uh, in, in our chat. I think that the offense runs through someone. Even on a bad team, you're going to get some things. I get what you say about players, teams playing from behind, but certainly at the beginning of the year, they're going to try to establish a run game. I think you can still throw to Conner out of the backfield. He's very good in the red zone. They're going to get down in the red zone at some point in time, and I think it runs through him. So those are my three players to target. All right, and your three players to avoid. Three players to avoid. Um, I mean, I I almost cheated and did the like the tight ends from the Seattle Seahawks. But, uh, <laughs> Noah Noah Font. He's the more recognizable one. He's number one. I don't think the offense runs through them. For the Seahawks, he's number one. Uh, number two, um, I I decided to to go um, back to the Cardinals and say Marquise Brown. I know he's probably on your target list, Josh. We just disagree on what we think he's going to do there. Um, I don't think Marquise Brown uh, is worth targeting, uh, despite the name. So he's number two for me. And number three, I put on Tyler Higby um, again, as we talked about the tight ends. Not generally. Uh, targeted, and he is becoming a bit more of a recognizable name, so people might be interested in him. Tight end heavy. All right. Yeah, I mean, this is the division where the tight ends, I don't think, are as as used. Unless it's George Kittle, of course. Yeah, unless it's George Kittle. Yeah. Uh, Number one for me, Debo Samuel. And basically just boils down to, I think, Brandon Ayuk is going to do just as well as Debo Samuel, and you can get him for a lot cheaper. Hmm. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Again, he's competing with two established names. He's the third man on that list, and he's a rookie. He's got to adjust to the NFL level. So I just think that unless you can get him in a very late round, I don't think he's going to pan out for fantasy value this season. Uh, and Kenneth Walker, with the stipulation of, a, like with Kyler Murray, at his current average draft position, because he's going at the end of the third round, and I think that's pretty high for me with, I guess, what I'm expecting the season and his playing or his playtime to be like with the Seahawks. So if you can get him a bit later than that, even a round or two later, then then I would be comfortable taking him. But just at the end of the third round with my third pick, I don't want to commit to Kenneth Walker with that. There you go. So that is it for the NFC West. Next week, we're going to finish up our divisional rankings with the NFC South. Uh, if you have any fan questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us at... Uh, con- Contact at conqueryourdraft.com. Go to conqueryourdraft.com. Go to our podca- 
podcast page. You can fill out the form that's on there. Or you can reach out to us on social media through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Conquer Your Draft. That is it for this week. Take care. Stay safe.